January 2018. January 3, 2018. This was obviously taken at Logan's service. The number of friends, and I believe some had left before we took this picture, was amazing. I am so very thankful for all of them, and I loved hearing so much about him, things we didn't know. Please, as you see how many friends Logan had, and know that he was loved and he also loved, see that all people who are hurting are not necessarily alone or lonely. Hashtag suicide awareness. Hashtag miss him so much. January 4th, 2018. I'd like to share some of what Logan's best friends said about him over the next couple days. Love the new bond I'm forming with so many of them. Thank you all for sharing so many of your memories. This was a post that Jared made on Facebook, but also similar to what he said at the service. Logan has been my best friend for about the past seven to eight years since I've known him, and I've loved every moment of it. When I heard the news, it was from waking up to a call from Mitchie saying he got the text from his sister on what had happened and asked me, Jared, is Logan okay? Please tell me he is. I was in disbelief, thinking there's no way he's not fine. He was a fantastic driver, so there shouldn't have been anything with that. He might have gotten sick or something, but I never could have imagined this severe as I had just seen him two days earlier, and he seemed to be doing great. As I sat on the news that morning, I was in complete denial of what happened, but it ate at me more and more as I wanted to wait for more confirmation. I couldn't sit still and remembered Mitchie saying it was at the UCCS parking lot. So I went and checked every parking spot on campus for his car. But I didn't want to find his car, because if I found it, then I knew it was true. I didn't find it. However, the act was only going to give me results that I didn't want, as it didn't prove that he was still with us. The meal I ate after the search was as hard to swallow as the truth told to me that morning that I didn't want to believe. The best times and fondest memories I have with Logan are playing games together with him. Video games, board games, or anything else like going out to eat at great restaurants or watching good and terrible movies. I owe him so much to be the friend to help me experience all of these wonderful times and memories. The guy was so smart, developing strategies for any game we played that really challenged our friend group. So much, we pretty much had to focus on him to stand a chance at winning. Otherwise, he would wipe the floor with us. The guy was so good, he even made as high as number two in all of North America in Hearthstone, an online card game that he adored playing and talking about. I learned a lot from playing those games with him. I think a lot of my analytical and strategic thinking skills developed with his help as he explained his thought process on things. But he wasn't always strictly strategic to win. He also had strategies that were funny and hype that would give all of us the best times of the countless nights we all spent together. While he enjoyed winning those games, he had a much better time making sure everyone would be having fun and that they felt included. This part of him came out the most, I think, whenever he played Smash Bros. It's a game that Mitchie, Galen, Logan, and I would play all the time, and that part of him grew as we got into the competitive scene where he was my training partner to develop and have fun with, as well as a rival for me to overcome. We have met so many amazing friends, 
making the greatest connection, an opportunity I wouldn't trade for anything. Every tournament, I would see him playing or talking with people, having a great time. If he wasn't a part of my life, then those things might not have happened, or at least not to the extent that they are now, which to that I am deeply grateful for. Logan was a guy that you could always look to for a solid foundation. He was willing to help you out with any problem you came to him with, whether it was for something like games or life advice. He was there for me. He may not have always been the best with getting out his own emotions, but he was always there to help you think things out logically and come to the conclusion that you probably needed to hear, even if you didn't always want to. No longer will I be able to play games with my best friend. No longer will I be able to debate and discuss with him about silly things, go get delicious food, watch movies with, learn more perspectives on how to tackle something, have great drives in his pizza-scented car, or have the talks I needed to get through a rough patch in my life, or to try and help him get through his. No longer will I be able to make these memories with him. And though I may not be able to create more of those memories, I will be able to cherish them for years to come. I will be able to celebrate his life by continuing to find happiness in all of these things in the future, thinking of him. I'll miss you, buddy. January 5th, 2018. My very good friend and angel, Maggie Fry, was a huge part of Logan's life. My kids spent many overnights and even days with her as Glenn and I both worked night shift, and I would then help her out as well. The kids were in many activities together, including camp each summer. All kids being blonde and blue-eyed with similar features, people often thought we had five kids, that they were all related. We were, I consider them family. Eric spoke at Logan's service, and I wanted to share that. Logan and I became friends through playing on the same soccer team when we were eight years old. Logan is my oldest friend who I experienced many formative years with. When I think back to when I was younger, there are a few memories that will make me stop in my tracks and laugh, and I was fortunate enough to experience many of these memories with Logan. One of these memories includes being in a two-man band named the Sting of Rock. Our parents always laughed and said we should have named the band Two Skinny Dudes, and maybe that was more fitting. But the memories that I cherish and miss the most were the times when we were bored and nothing to do. That's when we had the most fun. We came up with these elaborate storylines where we were the heroes and there was always a town needed saving. We would always talk about how excited we were to grow up and now all I want to go back to those days when I had my friend, my elaborate imagination, and not a single worry in the world. When I think of my childhood and the friends I had, I think of movies like The Sandlot or Stand By Me. Just like in these movies, we were the weird kids. We weren't the popular kids, but man, we had a great time. We scuffed up our knees and elbows, made our parents crazy, and had the times of our lives. As I remember Logan and all the fun we had growing up, there is a quote from the film Stand By Me that really hits me hard and makes me remember how great of a person he was. I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does anyone? I will always remember Logan for who he was. He was the goofy, funny, nerdy kid who was my best friend. He was better than the best friend any boy could ask for. 
I will always remember and cherish all those times we played video games until the sun came up, all those hours we spent playing airsoft, all the shenanigans we got into running around the neighborhood, all the debates we got into over which Lord of the Rings character was the most badass, and just all the dumb, fun, stupid things kids do when they are growing up. Thank you for allowing me to be your friend, Logan. It was an honor you will live on in my memories forever. Rest in peace, brother. It was a pleasure growing up with you. Thank you for being a part of my story and allowing me to be in yours. Goodbye, old friend. January 6, 2018 The night we found out Logan took his life, both of my older kids posted amazing words on Facebook. I was so proud, so heartbroken. No one wants to see your kids hurt the way they have. Another component of suicide, your children's hearts breaking and knowing they are going through the same questioning and regrets as you are. But I am also so thankful they have held to their faith so tightly and have been able to find joy in their sadness. I did share those posts December 15th for those of you that missed them, but I also wanted to share what they wrote for the Logan Borman service. Here is what Randy read for Savannah Borman. Logan, growing up, you were my best friend, and I'm so thankful for that. You taught me how to have an imagination, showed me what a caring heart looked like, and always gave me someone to look up to. Going through home videos and all your pictures, I laughed more than I cried and was reminded of just a few of those amazing qualities you had. I can still remember you taking me into your world of Power Rangers and fighting the bad guys in the living room. You not only showing up to my princess birthday party, but you wore a snow-white costume just to make me happy. And you trying to convince me to read Harry Potter because it's just that good. And it must be since you read the whole series ten times. I have a million wishes right now, including to relive those days. But most importantly, I wish you knew how loved you were. You meant more to us than you will ever know. And the love and support we have received shows how loved and cared about you were. You weren't like a lot of people. You were an intellect and had such a brilliant mind. Not many people understood you. I wish we could have, but you were so complex in your own way. Even though we had a hard time relating to you at times, you gave us a different perspective, and we were always intrigued by your thoughts and appreciated your knowledge. I, for one, was always jealous about how smart you were and thought you were going to be the next Einstein. It's a shame we won't get to see where that big brain of yours would have taken you. As I stand up here continuously asking myself why, I just remind myself that God is good and he has a plan and I need to trust in that. Words truly can't express how much I love you and miss you and I will forever cherish the memories we had. Rest easy, big brother. January 7, 2018 Here is what John Anders read for Bryce Borman at Logan Borman's service. I just love the way he put some of these memories into words. Dear Logan, this past week has been so tough for me. I have gone through just about every emotion imaginable. The pain and the sadness are real, but as time passes, the negative emotions will grow weaker as the memories grow stronger. Over the last week, my mind has wandered through the 23 years we spent together. There are countless things I will remember and admire about you, 
but there are two qualities that seem to be the most prevalent throughout my memories. The first is your incredible imagination. I can say with supreme confidence I will never meet someone with a bigger imagination than you. I will never forget. I was the Blue Ranger and you were red as we tore the house and jumped from couch to couch battling any bad guy who dared oppose the Power Rangers. You would even break out into full battle mode in the middle of your soccer games if there happened to be villains up to no good. Who cares if the other team scored a goal when the fate of humanity was at stake? When you were not fighting evil, you could often be found in a quiet place reading a book. I know you loved reading because it allowed your imagination to run wild. Last I knew, you had read each of the Harry Potter books at least four times. I remember our conversations about the Harry Potter movies, since I would never read the books. You always told me that the movies were just okay, but they could never live up to the books. Another outlet for your imagination was the fantasy worlds of video and board games. I remember playing the Lord of the Rings games for hours on end because we had to beat co-op mode on the hardest difficulty. I also remember playing Risk, Settlers of Catan, and other strategy board games with you. It was no secret that being able to outwit and outmaneuver your friends and family in any board game brought you great joy. The second quality that has been evident throughout your life is your caring nature and desires to put others before yourself. I will always remember when we went to Mexico with the youth group to build homes for families in need. The video of your prolific hammering display is legendary, but I also remember watching you give the rest of your ice-cold Coke to a random little boy. You have always been able to connect with kids and had a knack for helping them learn. Although I was never a camp counselor with you at Camp Elam, I have heard from so many people that you were a favorite amongst the kids and counselors. When Amaya joined our family, it was clear that she was extra special to you. You loved to teach her new things, but still showed her no mercy when you played Wii Sports. You were the first person she looked for when she needed help with homework, and you demonstrated over and over again that you had more patience than the rest of us when she struggled to understand things. Even when you went to college to become a mechanical engineer, your goal was to help people by creating better prosthetics. When you got the job as a 911 call taker, it was clear by all the stories you shared how much you loved what you were doing, helping other people. Logan, I am forever grateful for the time we shared. I love you. To everyone here today, words cannot describe how thankful I am for the support you have shown me and my family. My heart has been shattered, but your love and prayers have helped to start the healing process. My life will never be the same because Logan is no longer here, but I am comforted by the fact that my brother is waiting for me in heaven. I love you all, Bryce. January 8, 2018. A post on Team Snap. Hi, all. I should have sent this out before now, but just realized with practice today, I should probably clarify some things. As you all probably are aware, Amaya's 23-year-old brother took his life on December 15th. He did still live with us and was very close to Amaya. We were and are devastated. He shot himself in his car and let the police know where to find him. 
just like in the movies they knocked on our door in the middle of the night to tell us. We are comforted, as he did leave letters, of which he stated that he knew he was loved, loved us, and knew he was being selfish. He was a brilliant kid with lots of friends, but unfortunately had an underlying depression for the last few years that likely caught up with him. He denied the depression and wouldn't agree to getting help. On the outside, his friends and co-workers had no idea what was going on on the inside as he seemed happy. He had recently started a job that he loved and wasn't meeting his expectations on how well he should be performing. In his letter, he stated that he had never failed at something he really wanted, and he just couldn't handle being a failure. He knew others wouldn't see it that way, but that his opinion is what mattered most. Of course, we are left with more questions than answers, and I am open at some point to talking about it. We don't have secrets in our family, and if it can help someone, I'm all for having open communication. We very much believe in Jesus Christ and have vigorously held on to his promises. Because of this, we are focusing on what good can come of this and trying not to focus on regrets, etc. Now that you have some background info and hopefully most questions answered, I will let you choose how much you want to share with your girls. With that being said, please talk to your girls and let them know it's okay to approach Amaya. Hugs, and I'm so sorry about your brother's fine, but please let them know that Amaya does not want to talk about the incident or why he did it. Asking about Logan and what he was like is fine, but just have them ask their questions regarding what happened to you or me, please. Thank you all for your support. We are so blessed to be surrounded by so many people that care. Lori. January 9th, 2018. As I sit here writing thank you notes, I am amazed and in awe at all the ones I get to write to our church family, Fellowship of the Rockies. It got me thinking. People don't think to be believers. They need church. While to live eternally with Jesus in heaven, that is true, I would beg for you to consider this aspect. Our youth pastor was a huge part of my kids' upbringing and faith. It's very apparent to me that my kids have a good foundation they are leaning on right now, and I attribute that to church youth group. Randy Unruh was at our house holding them so tightly within the hour that we let him know what was going on. A familiar hug, a longtime friend, a spiritual comfort. Our pastor, Stuart, was also praying with us in our living room within an hour. His wife is one of my best friends, and I can't tell you in all the ways she has helped me. Stuart went to Sam's that morning and flooded us with necessities and food on behalf of the church. Within that morning, I'm sure we had hundreds of people praying over us. Within the next couple of days, many from our church family sent messages, dropped off cards, and provided food. Many I don't even know. For this, I'm struggling at knowing where to send thank you cards. Our church family helped with the service in so many ways, providing food, music, helping put together the program, slideshow, and so many other things I'm sure we don't even know about. They are our rock. They continue to reach out, to love on us, and to pray. Yes, there are other reasons to belong to a church family, but if no other reason seems good enough for you, let me tell you that having a solid support system 
when you're going through the worst experience of your life is so important and can keep you afloat. I needed the church this month. We needed the church this month. Yes, we do have amazing friends outside the church that went above and beyond. However, the feelings of belonging to a bigger family and for those points mentioned above is a great reason to find a church family for yourself right now. You can never have too much support. Church is not just for people that know and understand this God thing. It's a place to learn. So many people are afraid to go to a service because they think others will realize what they don't know. That is so not true. Most churches have all the words on the screen, don't ask you to raise your hand, and definitely aren't going to quiz you walking in the door. Our church even has all levels of classes and studies outside of service so that you can feel comfortable wherever you are in this journey. Not all people within a church are going to be people you want to be around. I get it. People, Christians, are not perfect, and some are hypocritical. But look beyond and know there are places with great people, and some of those bad people might need God more than anyone. Pray for them. Not all churches are the same. If you have tried one and didn't like it, find another. There is one out there for you, I'm sure of it. I would encourage you, start looking for one that fits your needs. If you don't like the first five, don't give up. I bet you've tried at least five desserts, watched five movies, or been to five different restaurants that weren't good or even awful. You didn't give up and stop eating dessert, watching movies, or eating out. Don't give up on church. The church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. Open the door. The church is the people. These past few weeks, I am beyond thankful for those people. January 12, 2018 After much and careful thought, our family has decided to use the money collected in honor of Logan to help support our church's youth mission trip to Juarez, Mexico. Logan went on this trip over spring break numerous times. As a mission team, we partner with Casas por Cristo to build houses from the ground up in five days. At the end of the trip, we get to hand the keys of a new house to a family that had been living in structures made with whatever scraps they could find. Although Logan could often be found taking a break while everyone else was working, it was because he was using his Spanish with the local kids, playing soccer, other random neighborhood games, and even, like Bryce mentioned in his letter, sharing his Coke with them. Here, he found joy. It has been a super common theme from his friends and co-workers how much Logan loved and wanted to help people. We think he would be smiling and nodding in agreement, knowing youth would get to participate in something meaningful on behalf of him, but also their families' lives are changed forever in the process. He was so practical, this would make sense to him. Thank you to everyone that gave in his name. P.S. This year, all ages are welcome on the trip. Message me about details if you or your family are interested. January 14, 2018 One of Logan's best friends, Mitchie Costello, posted this on his timeline on December 17th. Mitchie also spoke at the service. He had recently moved to California, and we were honored he flew in, as did others, to celebrate Logan's life. I have so many thoughts swirling in my head, and I wish I could say it all, but I just can't seem to form the words correctly. 
Last Thursday night, my best friend for nine years took his life. I was one of the first people to be informed by his family Friday morning, so I've had a bit of time dealing with it all. I am still struggling coming to terms with it, though, and I have so many regrets now. I miss going to Five Guys with him. I miss making fun of him for being so white he thought ketchup was too spicy. I miss arguing about clean plate stickers at King Chef and how he never got any. I miss talking about the most recent anime I made him watch and what he thought about it. I miss reading a manga chapter and instantly wanting to talk to Logan about it. I miss getting excited whenever I saw Toothpick is online. I miss him shot-calling the team in League of Legends and him complaining about us not listening to the call. I miss getting chain-grabbed to death in Super Smash Bros. by him. I miss getting frustrated every time he'd beat all of us at board games. I miss talking about what new genre at Betterfap we've found and how weird it's getting. I miss knowing if a date went well for him strictly based off of if the girl got a Coke or Pepsi product. I miss the bro talks whenever one of us were down. I miss laughing with him. I really miss my best friend. January 16th, 2018. Do you believe in signs? I do, and I look for them, but often I think they are way overrated. I mean, I feel like people find the craziest, weirdest things that they turn into a sign. Sometimes I think it's way exaggerated and made up. And then other times I think, if someone sees it, then it's still a sign by definition. Think on it. I guess for me, it just has to be pretty obvious. I'm not going to stretch hard to create it to be what it's not. And I don't see them like all the time. But I will say, I think we who are hurting, we are looking for signs more than any time before. Probably because we want comfort. We want to think all the best things and we have that hope. We are struggling more than ever for reassurance that everything will be okay. So a dear friend of mine offered to take me with her on her monthly massage appointment. It's hard for me to accept things like that, but she did a great job of selling me. Remember the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight response? Tense muscles, releasing of stress hormones, etc. that can cause some serious physical discomfort. Grief triggers this all the time, multiple times daily at first, when you are reminded of what was lost and acts as a threat. A massage can stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system that helps rest and restore a response that occurs once a perceived threat is passed. Anyway, I have been praying diligently for days for some comfort, for some peace, for a sign that Jesus is holding Logan so closely. And then I had a moment in that massage chair. With my head down, eyes closed, I slowly opened them ever so slightly. Not sure why I was led to do this, perhaps to just reassure myself it wasn't totally dark in the room. But then it appeared. With the minuscule amount of light that was shining through, I could see the exact outline of a cross. I tried again, thinking I was making this up. I closed my eyes and peeked so that I could reassure myself this was a silly moment. The same cross, appearing just like when the sun is peeking through the clouds, with all the brightness and rays and beams shooting out. 
I never said anything to anyone, and the interesting thing is that I argued with my soul. I saw it, and I know I did, but then I kept rationalizing that I somehow created this in my hopes. Perhaps I had been able to creatively squint as to see just the right symbol or thing that I wanted to. Even days later, it's popping up in my thoughts, and I'm trying to decipher if it was just me wanting to see it, so I somehow made it happen. But just like we stumble upon faith sometimes, I wasn't looking for a cross per se, and there is no doubt that it was what it was. Is that you? Do you know God has grabbed your attention? You saw exactly how he did it, but you keep sensibly passing it off as a coincidence. Maybe you're not looking, but I promise you God is chasing. And maybe that wasn't God answering my particular plea regarding his hugs for Logan. But the more I reflect, I'd like to think that God was giving me lots of hugs that day, using the therapist's hands and the cross. We'll call it what you want, but I believe it was one of those peace signs I had been asking for. And when you have peace, you don't worry about the other stuff. Hashtag suicide awareness. Hashtag finding joy. Hashtag miss him so much. January 18th. 2018, a perspective on Logan's memorial service, which was December 21st, by his friend Merrick. Hey, I'm super bad with words, but here's what I wrote. I tried to put this into words without being a bleep. Five years ago today was supposed to be the end of the world. I remember posting the title cards from Majora's Mask leading up to it. Dawn of the third day. Dawn of the second day dawn of the final day. Of course, the world didn't end. So just as in Majora's Mask, I posted the title card, Dawn of a New Day. That memory greeted me in the morning as I got ready to head out for the memorial service. Today is also the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. In correlation, it is also the darkest day, the longest night of the year. So long, in fact, that the tradition is to light a candle through the night so that the sun may find its way back into the sky. Robin Williams was a great man. He made me laugh, made me smile, and I didn't even know him. I, like many, didn't even know that he was masking a sadness that would inevitably overwhelm him, compelling him to take his own life. It's wild to think that someone I didn't even know would make me feel heartbroken with his passing. But today I feel it even stronger. One of his last roles was as Teddy Roosevelt in Night at the Museum, where his last line was, Smile, my boy, it's sunrise. Today we paid our respects to a friend who lost his own battle with that same sadness. But like Robin Williams, he cared more about making people smile than showing his pain. He was loved by many, and his absence will always be felt. Today is truly fitting of the title, Darkest Day. This past week has been so surreal. It's felt like the world is ending. But just as in Majora's Mask, there will be a dawn of a new day. It's hard to put into words how I feel about all this. But I know that this darkest day will end. Just as every dark day we have ever had, there will be a sunrise. Another day to make it better. Tomorrow will be the dawn of a new day one without him. 
We will get through it, and we will return to the way things were, but we will never forget him. I hope that the future will treat us all well. As for now, I will do my part to guide the light back to us. I will light my candle through the night, and in the morning remember those words. Smile, my boy. It's sunrise. We will meet again, Logan Borman. January 19th, 2018 Although I don't enjoy knowing how many people are grieving with us, I do love hearing the good that is coming out. It's my main hope these days. It gives me genuine smiles at a time so many are forced. If 150 people reflect on their family for even an extra day, if they go home and hug their kids a little tighter, if they tell someone they love them when they normally wouldn't have, I can smile. A real, genuine smile. A private message from Facebook reads, Thinking of you just wanted to share with you Jim's workday. He is in San Diego with his new team, leaders and bosses. He had 10 minutes to prepare a speech in front of 150 people regarding the approval of this new drug and how the experience was for him. He broke down in tears. He shared that when he was informed of the approval of this new drug, he did not care. He was at a young man's celebration of life and told them how strong you and Glenn are and your faith and that we all need to focus on each day and count our blessings each day. Your family touches all of us in so many ways. January 20th, 2018. So I completely recognize that most people don't want to watch a memorial service. How depressing, right? Well, I'm posting the link to Logan Borman's service because you might just need to watch it. Are you feeling like there is no hope right now? Are you living a double life? Those around you see you as happy and enjoying life, when in reality you are in physical pain, in your head telling yourself you are not good enough or something similar. You might want to skip the singing, you might want to fast forward the video of Logan's life, and you might even want to fast forward the statements and letters. But what you should listen to is Randy Unruh, the beginning, and Colin Grant towards the end, their messages. Both of these men are dear to our family. One is even blood family. They loved Logan, and Logan loved them. I was so amazed at what they had to say. It was so raw, so real, so honest, and it was truth. You just might need to hear this right now. January 21st, 2018 So I've been told a lot lately that I'm strong. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that means, and I suppose it might mean something different to the person that says it. I honestly feel weak much of the time, because I break down so often, but most of what I'm reading tells me crying is not a sign of weakness. But our twisted society somehow makes us feel that way. One minute, I don't want to cry because I want to feel strong, and or I need to push through to get things done, and then the next moment, I can go into the guilt thoughts of if I'm not crying, that I'm somehow moving on or I don't miss Logan as much. It's a struggle for me every day, even though I can know there is no right way or wrong way to grieve. And I know these thoughts don't make sense. Thankfully, I can tell myself the reality at some point in those moments. But I do know this. 
If people are saying I'm being strong because I still have my faith, then that makes me think, do circumstances really determine if you have genuine faith in God? January 22nd, 2018. This letter is probably the most special letter I'll receive. It comes from pain. It comes from love. And it comes from someone super special in my life. So many tears when I received it, but it did help me feel a little less lonely, a little more like someone understood my pain and reminded me that we are not the only ones really hurting here. I think overall it's a good perspective for us parents to talk about the hard things. Kids have perspective and know and never stop needing support. You're never alone in your pain despite feeling that way. Hashtag suicide awareness. Dear Glenn, Lori, Bryce, Savannah, and Amaya, I wanted to write you this letter and express a few things to you and with you. My hope is that you'll find solace in my experience. I want you to know that you are not alone. I'm so sad about the death of Logan. It was hard for me to express my complete sadness at his funeral, but I've sat in my home office on multiple occasions, crying about him and also thinking about my dad. Logan's passing has made me face my own pain and sadness, which is something I've pretty much avoided for 30 years. Every time I cry about this, it releases a little more pain. This letter is to tell you what I have gone through in hopes that it will help you find a little peace today and in the days to come. The pain never goes away. I know that that's a great way to start the letter, right? But it's true. Time will pass and the memories will become dreamlike but never go away. My biggest sadness for you is the sadness to come. I hope you can direct the sadness into something more productive than I have done. My father was only a part of my life for about four and a half years. He was my father. I looked up to him for love and guidance, and he was an integral part of who I have become, for better or worse. The night he took his life, we had set up a little trap for him when he came into our room to say goodnight to us. He never came back. When we woke up in the morning, we didn't know why our little trap didn't go off. Then later, the police showed up to our door in the morning with the bad news. After they came to our door, I didn't even really know what was fully going on. Everyone else was crying, so I felt like I needed to show sorrow and cried too, but at the time was unaware of why I was really crying. I fully expected him to walk through the door at any minute. I almost think that may still happen now. How weird is that? After his death, I felt guilty. I was 10 years old, and I felt guilty. Was it something I said? Was it something I did? Why would he do this to me? Why would he do this to our family? Did he not love me? Did he not care about me? Did he not want to be around me? Why would he do this to me? I believe it has more to do with them and their pain than it has to do with any of us. But these are the brain-rotting questions that will never be answered, but your mind will figure out a way to keep asking these questions. Your mind, deep down, knows there is no answer, but it's trying to figure it out. It never will. These questions will never be fully answered. One memory I have is that everyone in our family went to see his body for a final viewing, a second viewing, before the funeral, and I didn't go. I stayed home and played Nintendo. 
I didn't want to see him again. It scared me, and it was beyond what I could comprehend. I never told anyone that. I have felt guilt about that decision, too. What kind of son wouldn't go see his father before he could never look at him again? Another brain-rotting question that does not serve me. I talked briefly about that moment, and I cried talking about it because I still carry pain over that decision. Why? I don't know. I almost look at it from my adult perspective of what my 10-year-old self should have done, but my 10-year-old self was just scared and didn't understand. My guilt comes from my adult self almost scolding my younger self for not doing the right thing, even though it wasn't even possible for me to comprehend that at 10 years old. As I grew up without a father, I felt alone. I felt very alone. At that time, I couldn't see that anyone else could understand not having a father. I had nobody to show me the things that fathers teach their sons. I didn't have an example of a father to show me how to be a man. I've struggled with this my whole life. I still struggle with this today. The family doesn't ever talk about it, ever. It sucks. We all know we need to talk about, and I've tried to open dialogue about it without a real response of any substance. This is a mistake. This is the worst mistake that I think could be made. Please talk about it. Talk about your feelings. Be vulnerable. Be loving. Be weak. Be strong. Be whatever you feel you are at the moment when you talk about it. I pray you don't hide from this pain, because this pain will grow unless you talk about it. I hope you allow the pain to make you better instead of bitter. It's been 30 years since my dad died, and I still have to work on this and feel the pain of it. I had no outlet. I never spoke about it. It made me angry, but that was how I expressed my sadness. It wasn't really anger. It was masked sadness that came out as anger because I didn't have a healthy way to show my sadness to anyone. I can't recall a single conversation that allowed me to express my sadness about the situation. Not one. This kept the sadness inside of me, which became anger. I still have anger issues today that hang over me like a black cloud. I've been really working on myself, and with some new tools I've discovered, I have been able to make more progress in the past 12 months than I had the previous 30 years regarding my father's suicide. I have always felt ashamed about his death. I thought my dad was weak and because of his weakness that I would be weak as a man. This messes with the psyche of man. I had to reframe his death in a way that empowered me. The story that I had been telling myself for 30 years was bullshit. It wasn't until I could step back and realize without him, I wouldn't be here today. He gave me life. He made a commitment to me and our family but he was in so much pain, he made the ultimate sacrifice. I had blamed him for most of the bad things that happened in my life, but I never blamed him for the good things, too. If you blame someone for the bad, you have to blame them for the good, too. That's something I've learned recently. I've come to realize there are two types of pain men experience. The type of pain they want everyone else to feel, expressed as anger, and the type of pain they don't want anyone else to feel, felt by them as depression. I look back at my late teens and pretty much all of my 20s into a place that was very dark for me. Everyone else saw the happy me, when mostly what I felt was loneliness and darkness. Men are very good at hiding their feelings of unworthiness, 
their feelings of sadness, and their feelings of inadequacy. But hiding these feelings create angry and sad men. I couldn't find the light because I was covered in darkness. I was scared of my darkness. This was made worse by the alcohol-fueled lifestyle I lived. I never tried to kill myself, but would have been completely okay dying at the time and did things that probably should have killed me. I took physical and mental risks that nobody knows about. I took risks that would shock my family if they knew. Hiding in the darkness was made worse by the fact I didn't share it with anyone. I couldn't share it with anyone. Too much guilt and shame. It's different now. I want you all to know that you are not alone. I love you. Please reach out to me if you just want to talk or share your joy or your pain. I want you to know that your pain has helped my pain. Pain shared is pain divided. Much love. My niece was unable to attend the service for Logan Borman, but she wrote a letter that was read. I can still hear your super low voice and see your Adam's apple wiggle as you say, Hello, how are you, Aspen? I can feel your small body on mine as we awkwardly hug. I can still smell those pizza boxes throughout your Honda. I can hear Queen playing in the background as we take Amaya home. I remember wondering why you had so many CDs of Queen. I admire your super fan self. Logan, I look up to you. You had the coolest collection of army figurines and Grandpa Ray's army memorabilia. You were always the most creative when it came to Halloween costumes. My favorite was the half girl and half boy. I remember the yellow, blue, and red blanket as well as all those sleeping bags on the floor downstairs. The half-eaten ramen, the cold couches next to you. I miss sitting and watching you play Xbox. All these memories are burning in my head and becoming more vivid than I expected. I never even thought I would remember things like that. I wanted to wish you a happy birthday. I am so sorry, Logan. No one is better off alone. Just remember... You are loved, and you will never be forgotten. I love you, and I hope you are having a good time up there. Love, Aspen. January 24th, 2018 Hey, Lori, it's for you. Who is it? It's Jesus. Says he wants Logan. My son? I'm not ready for him to be taken from me. He says he's not your son. He's his. He just let you borrow him for some time. Logan wants to come home, and he is allowing it. Jesus said he has other plans, good plans, and is taking him now. Okay, I trust him. But can you tell him to be patient with me? I wasn't ready. Hashtag suicide awareness. January 25th, 2018. People often say, I can't imagine. I know I can't exactly convey, and certainly we all know everyone is different. But here is a piece of what it was like for me today to run into Ross for just a few minutes to get some dog stuff. I walk in wondering, do they know? Can they tell I've been crying? I don't really care, but I still wonder. I don't even wear mascara on my bottom lashes anymore. This helps some, so at least I don't have noticeable black running down my face. A young, polite security guard greets me. His noticeable Adam's apple reminds me of Logan's. 
Wish I could see Logan's move as he talks, even just one more time. I answer this guy's greeting that, how are you question, and say, okay, wonder if he caught I didn't answer good. I see dorm stuff and wonder why it's up front, and think about what it was like when we dropped Logan off at School of Mines a few years ago. I remember how much I thought that was his answer to a new beginning. I keep walking and my thoughts get interrupted quickly by seeing shoes. Seeing men's shoes reminds me of Logan. I used to buy his shoes even as he got older, and I usually got them at Ross. I see they have inserts today, Dr. Scholl's and other kinds too. Logan complained a lot about foot pain. I should have bought more of these for him. Tried different kinds, maybe. I see the socks at the same time and move on to thinking about how often I bought socks from here. Logan was always losing one and then would wear mismatched sets. It drove me nuts, and I would just buy new ones. I still have a few of those mismatched ones in the laundry basket right now. I wonder when I'll be ready to toss them. I continue walking and see all the men's clothes. I think about how thankful I am for the time I spent with Logan at Kohl's in August, helping him choose outfits for his new job. I was excited to see him in something other than a t-shirt and shorts, after all. He had asked me to go, and I was happy to get to spend time with him. This trip had been just him and me. I especially loved helping pick out shirts. He liked simple. I kept trying to get him to do some patterns. I helped him sign up for a Kohl's card so that he could get a hefty discount. Now I have to make sure that card is closed. Ugh. Do people know I'm not focused on shopping? My thoughts are totally elsewhere. I see decor, all those happy signs. My eyes fall on the one that says, happiness is a long, hot bubble bath. Are you freaking kidding me? Finally, I get to the pet stuff. They don't have what I even wanted or need. But at least I haven't seen someone I know. I'm still fearful of seeing someone that might not know especially a mom of someone Logan knew. They might ask how he's doing. I see one of these moms at the gym, and for now, I am avoiding her. I don't think she knows, and I haven't actually had to tell anyone yet. Well, that's not true. I had to tell a few strangers, like the bank lady when I was closing his account, but not anyone I know. I hear a couple of guys talking, throwing out the F-bomb every other word, and I'm annoyed. I think about how Logan would be annoyed, too. He was such a rule follower, and I can't say that I ever heard him cuss. I'm walking so slow. I want to get out of here, but my tired body just strolls slowly, so slowly. I see the pillow aisle and remember buying Logan at least two pillows in the past year. He didn't sleep well. Why didn't I piece that together more? That even though he was so happy in his new job, I would ask him how he slept and he would often say, not very good. I think about how for Christmas I was going to buy him a new mattress. His was very old. He needed a new one, and I should have bought one long ago. More so, why didn't I see that his poor sleep was a sign of ongoing depression? I'm almost out of here, but have to go buy all the candy. Logan loved candy. His favorite was Skittles. There were some still in his drawer in the kitchen that I had bought him after the Halloween sale. I remember him asking, who kindly filled our drawers with delicious treats? I was happy to say, me. Now I think about that drawer. 
I cleaned that drawer yesterday, moved his stuff to a box that will likely remain on the dining room table for an unforeseeable amount of time. We haven't had an extra drawer, and Amaya has been asking for one. Now she has one. I'm thinking I'm not sure if I was ready to move his stuff, but Amaya is important too. And it's just a drawer, right? I opened the door to leave. Okay, I made it, and thankfully I parked really close. Moving faster now, I get in my car and turn it on. Not sure why, but my car is a safe place to shed tears. Again. But I'm thankful I have a stockpile of Starbucks napkins to the rescue. I hear a familiar song on my Christian radio station that reminds me again that hope can be found. Thankful for these words. I need to be reminded of them so much lately. P.S. I wrote this a bit earlier, but I picked this picture just now. I chose it because it's one of him and his clothes that I helped pick out. As I'm getting ready to post it, I see the words on our wall in the background. Great hope comes from great faith in God. More true than ever. It's also the last picture I took of him. January 26, 2018 Some people are genuinely worried about me. My pain seems too much. They want to see that it won't always be this bad and I'll make it through. They want to fix me. Maybe my writing hasn't conveyed enough that I am okay. What is okay? Well, I'm, we are getting dressed each day. While I admit I care a little less about doing my hair and makeup or even that I'm wearing similar outfits every day, I am showering and doing laundry. I dread appointments, grocery shopping, and driving in the car alone. But I'm going to them, eating, and I blast my music. Crying or not, I sing to worship music. Sometimes it's comforting, and sometimes it's painful. I'm going to lunch, coffee, and soccer games. Even went on a hike today. I still see God's beauty. Beauty in the present, but also beauty in the ashes. I am wandering through the hallway and doors are opening still figuring out which ones to take, but I'm hopeful. My writing is not to worry people about how bad I'm hurting. It is bad. I do hurt, but it's how I'm processing. It helps me to get it down on paper. My intentions are not for you to feel sorry for me, but to give people an inside peek into what it's like, and maybe to even allow that one that is thinking of ending their life to experience what the survivors go through. Every grieving mom feels many of these same things. They just don't write about it or express it the same. You can't fix it. It's here and not leaving anytime soon. So let me talk and tell me you are thinking about me. Tell me it's hard for you to read or that your heart hurts for me. But don't try and tell me what to do to make it better. Don't offer commercialized suggestions. Just listen and acknowledge. I'm a fixer, so I know it's hard. But this one, just let it be. Hashtag hopeful. Hashtag suicide awareness. January 28, 2018. I am grateful. I am thankful. Really. I was always taught to be grateful and to give thanks. My mom was that mom that always made me write thank you notes for every gift I received. Ugh, right? But what a valuable lesson. We also prayed before every meal, thanking God for it, even if we were at a restaurant and people would see. And one of my favorite memories is being on the ski lift many, many times with my dad singing, climb, 
climb up Sunshine Mountain and talking about how beautiful his creation was and how grateful he was to be able to enjoy it. I remember years ago, a neonatal practitioner I work with said, think about if you only receive tomorrow what you thanked God for today. Thank you, Mimi Stilson. That really had an impact on me. And ever since, I always start my mornings by thanking God for those most important things. My family, my extended family, my health, my job, warm water. And then sometimes I move to the less important ones, even Starbucks coffee that I love so much. It's something I enjoy. Why not thank him for it? Those people in Ghana don't get to enjoy a drink like this. So when the police knocked on our door in the wee hours of December 15, asked to come inside, and told us the most terrible, horrible news that I will ever hear, I am so grateful my mind could automatically think of some things to be thankful for. I was thankful first that Logan didn't take other lives before his. No, I didn't think for a second that he was ever capable of this, but lots of families that this has happened to didn't think that either. I was thankful he didn't choose for his last breath to be here. I chose not to imagine how much worse that would have made it. I was thankful he called law enforcement just before and told them where to find him. I assume that was so we wouldn't spend hours or days wondering where he was, and also so another innocent person wouldn't find him. I was thankful he didn't use one of Glenn's guns. I was thankful he left letters. We were unable to get them at that time. I was thankful we had each other and that we were all home together. Not immediately, but a little later that same day. I was thankful for the 23 years I did get. I was thankful for the amazing family and friends that upon learning of our loss were immediately there to support us. I was thankful for his amazing friends that somehow were able to come by once we were able to read the letters. I was thankful for some explanation, even if it was something we couldn't fully understand, that he knew he was loved. He knew he was liked. He knew he was being selfish. He knew he was blessed with good friends. He knew I cared. Most of all, I was thankful he wrote, I love you all. I know many survivors of suicide don't get these affirmations. No, I'm not saying I have rejoiced in Thanksgiving, maybe that's to come, but honestly I'm not there yet, over this terrible loss of my son, or even that I'm not just plain angry at times. But there is some comfort in being grateful, a peek into hope. I feel the very nature of being grateful gives hope, hope that I can survive, that my life will not rest in this pain, that the hallways I'm walking down and doorways I'm looking through do contain things that I will be able to be grateful for. And if my human self is going to blame him for the bad, I have to blame him for the good too. Thanks, Taylor Grant. At the end of the day, I don't believe God wanted Logan to take his life, but I do believe he could have stopped it and didn't. God is not punishing us, but somehow for our joy and his glory, he's letting us endure this, and walking us through. I'm so thankful his promise is to never leave me, just like he never left Logan.